If you would have told me that playing tic-tac-toe with my daughter would have led me to a life-changing revelation, I would have laughed. <laughs> but it did. What's up, guys? Gator Johnny here, and this is episode 81 of the Gator Pit. I was playing tic-tac-toe with my daughter yesterday, my seven-year-old, and we're going back and forth, game after game after game. Jeez, we must have played like 20 games, and I'm winning most of them. We're, we're, we're tying a bunch of them, and maybe like one or two, my daughter won. Mainly because I didn't even see <laughs> what she had done. It totally caught me by surprise. She didn't trap me. It was right there. I just didn't see it. But um, but she kept telling me, Dad, you're like the best player of tic-tac-toe ever. You're the best ever. Nobody can beat you. You are the king of tic-tac-toe. And I just kept laughing. I was like, no, that's not true. There's a lot better players than me. And, you know, just kind of bringing it back down to earth. But then I realized what she was doing. The reason that we were tying so much was because she was blocking my attempts to win. Smart, I guess, right? But the problem was she wasn't setting it up for herself to win. So she was keeping herself from losing, but she wasn't setting herself up to win. And that made me think because I told her I, when we finished, she goes, man, dad, I don't why, why do I always lose? And I told her, I said, because you're playing to you're playing to not lose instead of playing to win and that's where it ended but then i started thinking about those words god isn't that a lot of our problem right isn't that one of the big issues that we have we live our life and we play the game to keep ourselves from losing we do everything we can to keep from losing of course the game of life is what i'm talking about we play to keep from losing but we don't play to win there's a difference there's a difference because while while you may not lose, you're just you're not going to get ahead. Now, you can claim victory, I guess, in the fact that you haven't lost. There is there is something to be said for living a life where you have a little bit of money, you have a job security, you have everything in balance, you have you know, you you you're good. You're not bad, you're good. But you're not great. It's a life where you're not going for what you want to go. You're not doing what you want to do. And you're not achieving what you want to achieve because you're on the defensive. Now, a modicum of defense is necessary, of course. But I think the big problem is we're not playing to win. Get out there and win. Take the risks. Take the chances. Go for it. One time in my life. No, not one time. But the first time in my life that I really, really, really went for it. And I threw all caution to the wind. And I did not play defensively. And if I lost, I would have dealt with it then. But I wasn't thinking about losing. I wasn't thinking about tying. I wasn't thinking about being defensive, or being conservative, being preventive. I was going forward. That one time was when I moved to Florida to become an alligator wrestler. And my life changed forever. That is the defining moment of my life. Not only because I got to be an alligator wrestler, but because I achieved a goal that I had set for myself that was so astronomically big, so astronomically out there, so astronomically impossible, at least from an outsider's perspective, 
that I had no business achieving that. There was no way in hell, according to my friends back home in Jersey, that I was ever going to be a gator wrestler. Who does that? That's something you see on TV. Nobody's a gator wrestler. You don't have the experience. You don't know anything about alligators. You don't live in Florida. You've never handled animals. You don't like the heat. You've never been in that water. You're going to get killed. You're going to get bitten. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get maimed. You're going to get crippled. But I threw all of that to the side. I put all of that to a side. I did not come down here with the mindset of, I'm going to try not to get bit. I did not come down here with the mindset of, I am not going to try to get hurt. Now, that doesn't mean I was careless and reckless, but that wasn't a part of the game. My game plan was to win. I wanted to wrestle alligators no matter the cost. And for those of you that know the story, the cost was pretty high. The sacrifices were pretty big, but the accomplishment was awesome because now I can say I was. So, guys, my advice for you today on this beautiful Wednesday Go for it. Stop playing defensively. You're not going to get anywhere that, that way. You're just, you may not back up, but you're not going to move forward. You're going to stay where you are. You have to go on the offensive. You have to go get what you want. Play to win. Stop playing not to lose. Start playing to win. Do that and you will get there. I promise. This just into the Gator Pit Newsroom. An incident that can only happen in Florida happened yesterday in a Naples, Florida golf course as golfers were playing through and noticed an alligator in a scuffle with a Burmese python. Interesting. What do you do in that situation? Do you try to break it up? Hell no, you don't try to break it up. You let them do their thing, which apparently wasn't much. Reports say that the gator was just laying there, holding the snake in its mouth. Part of the snake's body was wrapped around the gator, but the gator had its head in its mouth, which means this one goes to the gator because the gator was apparently, uh, from what I've heard, anywhere from 7 to 10 feet long. Kind of hard to tell unless you actually put the tape measure on them. But a gator that big probably has anywhere from 1,500 to, to 2,500 pounds of crushing power in its jaws. Yeah, it probably severed that, <laughs> that snake spine. Believe it or not, most battles between Burmese pythons and alligators end that way. Uh, there was one picture of a gator, a famous one. It went viral. This was about three or four years ago, maybe, of a snake that had swallowed an alligator. And the stomach blew out and you could see like the gator sticking half out of the the snake's body and they were both dead however that was more than likely staged for the simple reason that the gator was facing the wrong way snakes swallow their prey head first doesn't matter how they initially strike because they'll strike you and bite you to hold you then they'll throw their their coils around you and squeeze until you're no longer breathing once you're dead they let you go and they reposition apparently the snake in that viral picture swallowed the gator tail first uh-uh sorry they don't do that so that was probably either photoshopped or staged however that is a conflict that's uh, that's happening more and more in south florida in the everglades in 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 on golf courses 
you know, pretty much anywhere where you could see both animals. They're two apex predators that do not belong in the same ecosystem. Burmese pythons from Burma, from Myanmar, from the Middle East, different part of the world. Alligators from southeastern United States, from Florida. They don't belong together. They're both apex predators. So when you put them together, I mean, sparks are going to fly. Or maybe not because they're not the most active of animals. <laughs> Again, the folks were reporting that they were just sitting there, the gator was just laying there with the snake's head in its mouth. I guess the snake was still alive, but it wasn't doing much. It just had its body wrapped around the gator. And eventually, according to witnesses, the gator just got up, walked into the water with the snake in its mouth and disappeared. So he probably had himself a decent meal. Plus a gator that big, I don't know. I don't think a snake would go after him. It's probably more trouble than it's worth. Uh, a gator is a little bit too strong. And yes, a snake can kill the gator. But the gator, again, most of the time, unless the snake is able to constrict the mouth right away, I mean, no matter where the gator bites, it's going to be able to pierce the skin and break a bone, break the spine, break the snake in half. You know what I mean? As strong as the snake is, it's no match for the jaws of a gator. But it's a conflict and an incident that you don't see anywhere else in the world, <laughs> only in Florida. And it's been, it involves an invasive species. Now, there's a lot of controversy as to how Burmese pythons arrived here. A lot of the blame goes to uh, pet owners, inexperienced exotic pet owners. They wanna have a snake. And what happens is they usually go to the store, they buy this adorable little snake, not knowing what it is, not really caring. They bring it home. And a snake is not the most active of animal. No reptile is. They just lay there. When do they do anything? When you feed them. So what do they do? They start feeding a snake a mouse a day. A mouse a day, which is way too much. They do that every day just to show their friends, hey, you want to check the snake out? Come here. And they feed it to make it active. A year later, that Burmese python, which they didn't know was a Burmese python, is now 10 feet long, doesn't fit in their house, doesn't fit in their room. So they let it go. That's what a lot of the blame goes to. However... Another part of the blame has to go to the zoos that have been destroyed due to hurricanes. Maybe not blame, but at least that explains a lot of it. When the hurricanes get to uh, destroy the zoos, the animals get out. And living in Florida, they're going to be just fine. Luckily, there are gators to keep the snakes in check. So it's almost like a checks and balances. Neither one of them are letting the other grow out of control. But anyway, just wanted to report from the gator pit, alligator versus snake. Who won? Gator wins, baby. Gator takes this one. Yay! And it looks like we have a call-in here today. Let's get to it. Hi, Gator Pit. I have to say that was one of the kindest call-ins I've ever received. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so glad to hear that you are in good health now. That was an amazing story, and that just brightened my day, and I'm just so glad to hear that Anchor is a great community. Uh, social media is pretty new to me, so this is uh, a new journey for me. And yeah, and thinking out loud, you said that Anchor is like thinking out loud, and I think that is such a cool thing, and it's so true from what I've seen so far. I haven't been here very long, but really it's just you talk about your thoughts, even when no one else is listening, in the real world, you can come on here and, and people will listen. And it's just a really cool community and you're so right. And thank you so much for calling in. That really meant a lot to me. 
For those of you that have been listening to me for a while, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, I had a little bit of a health scare. Turned out to be nothing. Turned out to be a false alarm. But the scare was I suddenly had chest pain. And I'd been having it for like two days at that point. I was at work. I was driving a monster truck. My pain, my chest started to hurt pretty bad. You know what? I don't want to risk it. Just lost my, my mother-in-law last year, literally a year ago, um, to a sudden heart attack. We've had friends of the family die of heart attacks. You know, it just kind of happens, right? So I started feeling his chest pain. I said, I ain't going to risk it. Left work, came home, got Sheena Diane. Rushed to the hospital. I was there a good part of the day. I was surprised at how quickly they took me in. Turns out chest pains are that important. <laughs> they don't make you wait. You could be gushing blood out of the side of your head. You're going to sit in the waiting room, but chest pain, boom, they bring you right in. Start doing tests right away. It was crazy. Uh, and it turned out it was nothing. My EKG was okay. All the, the blood work, everything was okay. It wasn't a heart attack. It wasn't any heart issues. Turns out, at least just from my own diagnosis, because I felt it again the following week, just from yelling and screaming at work. You know, I'm a tour guide, and when the trucks get full and people are talking and the truck is on and revved up, big, loud diesel engine, I don't have a microphone. So in order for me to do my spiel and talk to people, I have to talk at the top of my lungs sometimes, not yelling at them, just, you know, talking really loud, yelling to be heard, right? Um, and it turns out that's probably what the pain was. Because again, I felt it the following week after a whole day of like yelling and screaming. But what Elias is talking about is the fact that that day that I was in the hospital and Sheena Diane was really nervous, she was scared. She mentioned on our Instagram anchor chat group that I was in a hospital. All, oops, forgot to turn my volume down. All those folks that went on the chat group from Anchor stayed with me the whole day. However many hours we were there, people were, were, were messaging, making sure I was okay, checking up on Sheena, making sure she was okay, keeping my spirits up all day long and we're talking about people around the world meaning people in different time zones and different countries yet they stayed with me they stayed with me that whole day it was it was amazing like to me i had never ever experienced anything like that on social media and i've been on social media for a while that was just amazing and all sheena did was just mention you know we're in a hospital with johnny you know he's not feeling good suddenly boom I, one of the folks maria humphreys she's on here elias if you haven't followed her follow her she's hilarious and a really cool person but maria humphreys was on a train to denali they were like on a vacation on a world tour she is on the train sending me an, an instagram video telling me she hopes i'm okay from the train like she's on her vacation the 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 scenery you know it's going by next to her it's going by behind her the, the the train's speeding down the tracks and she's on there like gator johnny i hope you're feeling better you know like it was just crazy 
but yes, the anchor the anchor community is just amazing. So I think you're really gonna love it here, you know. But the key is make those connections, engage, talk to people, echo their stuff, share their stuff, make call-ins, share uh, call-ins that people make to you. The connections you make on here, I I mean I can go on and on about it, but I would just be repeating the same thing. Amazing. That's it. Bottom line. So, but anyway, thanks for the call. Thanks. <laughs> Look at that. See, I'm all I'm all tongue tied now. Just thinking about the support I got. Like it just makes me a little bit emotional, and that's a good thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But anyway, thank you for the call in, Elias. Oh, thank you. Whoa! Look at this. I mentioned we had a call in. And in the time it took for me to listen to it and respond to it, we got another one. Cool. Let's go. Hey, Gator Johnny. I just had to call in and let you know what is going on here in North Carolina if you haven't caught this on the Weather Channel yet. It is is so cold here in North Carolina that the gators here are freezing in the waterways. They're frozen with their nose, with their noses, with their snouts sticking out of the water. And they're hibernating with their snouts sticking out of the water. It's the craziest thing to see. But um, you've probably seen it all, right? I mean, your Gator Johnny. <laughs> okay, before I continue, first of all, as far as your calling is concerned, Miss Danger. Oh, thank you. Now, as far as the Gators freezing underwater, yeah, that's something they do. Um, it's a common thing. Not so much in Florida, it happens occasionally, but mainly North, South, South Carolina, you know, up there, the northernmost part of the range where the water does freeze. Yeah, they'll survive. They'll do exactly what you just mentioned. They'll stick their nose out of the water. The water will freeze around them and they'll survive. And actually, you know what? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I just did a post about this, uh, a segment about, I don't know, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago about this very thing and I actually had a picture linked from Instagram that I posted on Instagram about this very thing where you can see the nose of the gator sticking out you know what hang tight I'm gonna put that up right now did you know that alligators can actually survive in frozen lakes I've been telling this to people for years I've been telling this to Sheena for years that an alligator can survive in a frozen lake what they do is and it's ingenious it's 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 amazing to see um, they'll actually stick their nose out of the water leave it out and the lake the water will freeze around their nose so you walk you're walking around and you're looking at the water at this ice and all you're seeing are these little gator snouts sticking out of the water and that's how they survive now how can they stand the cold well keep in mind the lake underneath is not that cold as a matter of fact lakes are usually around 60 65 degrees only the top 
layer. Only the, the, the top of the water freezes. The bottom is still water. So the gators will spend those cold nights if stuck. If they haven't found a place to shelter, they'll just go into water and do that. And they what they do is they brumate. Brumating is a reptile version of hibernating. They'll actually slow their 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 heartbeat down, their circulation down. Everything just kind of slows down. Almost to the point of shutting down. But they don't shut down because that would be a dead gator. So they're not truly asleep. They're not like a bear that is out cold for a month, two months, whatever. Reptiles will just kind of slow down. Everything slows down and it gets them through that period of time and that's what the gators do but it's it's awesome looking at it seeing it these little gator snouts sticking out of the water <laughs> that's cool so i've attached the picture here to the uh title of this segment check it out because it's a sight to see it's not every day that you see an alligator snout sticking out of the ice those are two things that you don't normally associate alligators and ice and icy weather but hey like i said on that instagram post give nature long enough It'll figure it out. And I'm actually going to take it back even uh, a little further than that uh, to the beginning of January. I think a week before that. So I think the, the Gator article I posted it last week, this next article I posted it about two weeks ago. So I'm, I'm traveling back further in time to talk about iguanas. Because gators aren't the only reptiles that have to deal with the cold. Iguanas fall out of the sky. Isn't that crazy? Here, check this out, Miss Danger. So, in continuing with the cold weather theme of the day, South Florida is not only dealing with colder temperatures, they're also dealing with iguanas falling out of the sky. Well, maybe not out of the sky but off the trees. Literally, they have to be careful of falling iguanas. What happens is they get cold. They're, they're roosting up in the branches. The cold weather hits, they, they freeze, <laughs> and they're stunned by the cold and they just fall. They can't hold on. And uh, a lot of people think they're dead because they're, they're immobile, inanimate, not moving, nothing. But leave them alone, chances are they come back to life. They're not dead. They're just stunned. They're frozen. Same thing used to happen with alligators. When I worked uh, at the reptile park on cold nights, that temperature was going to drop into the 30s, into the 20s. At the end of the day, we would have to walk around the entire park and push every single alligator in the water. It's not as bad as it sounds because most of them were already in the water. But every once in a while, you'll get some that stay, that hang around outside. We had to get them in. And then later on at night, like at one in the morning, maybe someone was assigned to go back to the park and walk around all the entire park, making sure the gators were still in the water. Because what happens is if they're out and about and the temperature drops, which it can do pretty quickly, by the time they register mentally that it's cold, it's too late. They're already too too stiff to move. They can't they can't go back in the water, and they just gotta stay. They just gotta lay there. They can't do anything about it. Hopefully they'll survive, but they don't really have a choice in the matter. Which is why we would push them all in the water, and then we went back later because some of them get back out. You know, for the most part they figure it out. It's called instinct. They all have it, but 
just like with humans, <laughs> some of them just want to do their own thing, or some of them are, you know, just, just are not too bright. So we would have to go back at night, and any gators that were out, we would have to physically push them in the water because by that point they were too stiff to move. So like poking them with a stick just to kind of annoy them, you know, we were just kind of just lightly tap their tails and just aggravate them to the point where they're like, ah, fine, and he's going to water. That doesn't work at one o'clock in the morning on a 20 degree night. They're too cold. So that's what's happening down south right now with iguanas. They're literally freezing on the trees. But just like with the gators, all it is is they're too, they're too cold and too stiff to move. With the alligators, in the morning when we would come in just to open the park, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the morning, sometimes there were gators that had gotten out again. I mean, you do what you can, but that doesn't mean they're not going to come back out. But you couldn't put them back in the water in the morning. If they were frozen stiff, you couldn't put them back in the water. They would drown because, again, they're too cold to swim or move or anything. So you would put them in the sun, maybe with their tail in the water, maybe like a back leg, so that that starts heating up. The sunlight heats the rest of them up and they can go back in the water and warm up. Um, and that's basically what's happening with the iguanas down in South Florida. They're falling off the trees because unlike gators, iguanas don't brumate. You know, most of our gators would brumate in the winter. Some of them wouldn't because they wanted to be fed during the jump roo show or just do whatever. Those were the ones we worried about. But for the most part, gators brumate in the winter, which is a reptile version of hibernating. But not all reptiles do that. And iguanas don't. That's not a Florida species. That's an invasive species that was brought here from from uh, uh, South America years ago. And now they're living here. So they're not used. They don't brumate. So they'll literally just do the normal routine. They'll climb up into the trees and just kind of hang on and spend the night there. Then the weather drops and they fall. They hit the ground. Now, if that didn't kill them, there's a good chance that once that sunlight hits, they'll survive. Usually, the bigger the iguana, the more chance for survival. The smaller ones, I mean, they can't, they can't hold out that long. You know what I mean? But, uh, but these cold snaps that we're getting, they dropped the numbers of iguanas years ago. And also dropped the number of pythons that we have in Florida. Because they, don't, they can't survive this either. So, I'm wondering... How much those numbers are being affected now? These these invasive invasive animals, how much are they being affected right now by this cold? But anyway, that's funny. I was reading an article about iguanas falling from the sky. <laughs> Alrighty guys, that wraps up our show. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you for engaging. That's one of the things that makes podcasting on Anchor.fm so awesome. It's the engagement. It's the, the communication, the, the connections that are made, the friendships that are made. As I mentioned in one of the segments, the friendships on Anchor are real. And they transcend Anchor. They transcend right into the real world. So, uh, again... Thank you guys for uh, for listening. Thank you guys for calling in. Tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. Some more awesome content coming up. I'm going to leave you guys with some go-home music in honor of the friends I have made right here on Anchor. Take care, guys.
Sure. 